Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. tried to find the story about the mural behind us, this uh, picture of Jesus, and I wasn't able to fully get that. I know now that I'm saying it, other people who could tell a little bit more, but, but what, I, what I do know is that when this room, I think that what I do know, that when this room was first painted, uh, Julia Chamberlain painted this up here. And I, I reached out to Julia on Facebook and she didn't respond. I was like, so, so what was your inspiration? For this, John, you know? They had a picture. They had a picture. Yes. But why, why, why this picture of Jesus? Do you know? It was cool. They did a great job. And, and you know, when, when the youth here, uh, right before before the world shut down in 2020, uh, the youth wanted to repaint the youth room because it was this brown and orangish color. And it looked really, really drab. I mean, I think it looked fine back whenever it first got painted. But uh, they, they wanted to repaint it, but they, they wanted to make sure that they kept this. And uh, they did a really meticulous job of, of painting around it and, and keeping it as it is. Because I think it really gets the point across of, of who we are as a church. I, I think it really helps us to see why we are here. So as we prepare to hear the message today, I invite you to go to God in prayer with me. Let us pray. Oh God, the words of the praise team this morning really, really speaks to me. It speaks to me almost every Sunday when they sing, but the words that we heard before I got up here, I surrender all. Lord, sometimes I have to realize I don't surrender all. Sometimes I want to want to hold on and make sure that I have complete control and complete uh, way for everything that will happen in my life. But Lord, time and time again when I do that, I realize that I, I mess it up on my own. And I, I not only need you, but I need to surrender my life to you. Maybe there are others here this morning that feel that in their own lives. But I pray, especially on this morning, that we surrender our lives to you, to let you be our Savior and our Lord. So Lord, we ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. So about three months ago, our leadership board uh, asked me to convene a, convene a group together that's what we call the discernment team. And, and the purpose of this discernment team was to 
take a look at what is happening within the larger United Methodist Church and, and how it affects us here in Royce City. And I remember a couple of the meetings when, when we were done, people on the discernment team says, well, that wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. And I think the reason why they say that is that because they know that there is a whole lot more that we agree about as the body of Christ than we disagree about. And that there's a whole lot more that, that we can stand up together and proclaim boldly as the body of Christ than we can let what's happening outside in the world around us divide us. So we've done a lot of work over the last several years that I've been here, I believe since 2016, even before I got here, trying to figure out you know, what it is that our, our, our mission is and what it is our values, our, value, what our mission is and what our vision is. And we did a sermon series here recently talking about that. But we know that the mission of our church is to, let me test y'all. Come on, a little bit stronger than that. You can do it. Make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. I believe it's on the bulletin. Just, a, just a, as a reminder. And then the, the vision of our church is to be God's. You belong here. Worshiping together. Serving with heart. And growing in faith. And those are fine and good. The, the, those are great. But I don't know if they really capture the heart of who we are as Roy City. So, so this team of eight people, uh, I'm going to go ahead and name them, Jim Melody, Jane Lackey, Wanda Pelly, Kat Elliott, Liz Henderson, Laura May, Mandy Pippen, and Terry Chesser. For, for about a month, we met together, and, and we pulled together what we believed, using scripture and, and just talking with each other, what the values of Royce City First United Methodist Church is. What, what is it that we value together as a church? And if you heard those names listed, if you know those names listed, we had people on both sides of the spectrum for this. We had, we had progressives, we had centrists, we had uh, traditionalists on all a part of this, this task force. And, and as they did this work, they came up individually and together with 12 scripture passages that talked about who we were as a church. And if you go to our website, fumcroyalcity.life, one of the cards is a card that says moving forward. And on that moving forward card, you can click on the scriptures. That way you can have those rationales and the scriptures that we came up with. Or, or I would even say that the Holy Spirit gave us to kind of guide our discussions uh, on what it is we value as a church. And over the next four weeks, I am going to preach on these four values. It was amazing. When, when we came up with the values, it just, it just came out just like this. It, it, was, it was so uh, fluid, if you will. And, and once these four values were mentioned, everyone was like, yeah, that's who we are. This is who we are as a church. So, so the four values, just to share right off of the top, so you, so you know where we're going. 
is that Christ's foundation, love, unity, and acceptance. Those are the four values that, that we came up with as a discernment team about who we are as Royce City First United Methodist Church. And when I heard those, I'm like, yeah, that's us. That that is who we are. Now, I will have to make one little note. I, I believe we came up with love and unity first, and then Christ as foundation. But uh, with the pastoral privilege that I'm taking here, I decided to move Christ as foundation first because, honestly, you wouldn't have all those other things unless Christ was the foundation. We, we wouldn't have love and unity and acceptance if if we did not hold our faith on Christ. So today we're going to start with this series, and today we are going to talk about how Christ is our foundation. Well, the scripture that I have for this morning is one of the scriptures that our team picked from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along, because as you know, we don't have a screen over here. So, I invite you to hear the word of the Lord. Paul writes to the Ephesians. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple of the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, I've always had an affinity for the word cornerstone. I don't know what it is. I think cornerstone is one of the coolest words that's out there. It came to light to me, and I, and I got a picture of, I think, of why it is whenever I took a youth mission trip down to Juarez, Mexico, to work with a, a mission down there called Proyecto Abrigo which stands for Project House. I think they've changed their name recently, but back when we went, it was Proyecto Abrigo. And, and, and the purpose of Proyecto Abrigo was that people would move in and around close to uh, junkyards or, 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 or landfills there. And, and when they would move farther to be closer to the border, they would go to these landfills and they would get whatever they could to build a house. They, they, they would get like pallets, uh, pieces of wood here or there, and, and, and they would live in these homes. And, and the work that Proyecto Abrigo did was that they would go and uh, get volunteers and get money from, from youth groups or, or church groups or, or any other groups, and, and, and that they would take that money to build a concrete cinder block home for these families. Now, there are many other different uh, mission organizations that, that do work like this. They, they build homes for people. They use like wood and everything. 
but, but the thing that I really loved about Pray After a Breed, but honestly, I would love to go back again and build another concrete center block home, is that, is that we knew that because the home was made out of concrete center block, it wasn't going to go anywhere. That there was no way that a fire would destroy the home, just all like some of the other homes that had been built that had been burned down because of fire. But, but it was so fun taking freshmen through seniors and maybe some college kids down to Juarez, Mexico to have them be a part of this project. They, the kids would be so excited and the first thing that you do, you, you, you build, a, you dig a trench. And I, I can't remember the, the exact size of a home right now, but, but the kids had their shovels out and they're just digging and digging and digging and they get a nice little trench built. And then you, you mix up the, the concrete and then you start pouring the concrete into the trench to, to give it just a little bit of a base. And then we had maestros, which were the professional workers that were on the work site. They would tell all of the youth to get away. You could get completely far away from, from the work site because this is when they did really the important work of the entire trip. And that is when they would lay the cornerstone. That's when they, they would take a, a few of the concrete center blocks and they would place it and make the corners of each house. And I remember asking them, why, why are you doing it? Why, why can't we do this? And, and they laughed at me. They said, you would mess it up. You have no idea how to, to lay a cornerstone, but these maestros, they do this for a living, and they are our masters at it. Because one of the things that I know about building a concrete center block home from the experience that I have is that if the cornerstone was off, the walls would not be square. And, and, and that could cause problems. If the cornerstones were off, then they would not be able to fully hold on to the weight of the walls that are there. So the maestros wanted to make sure for these new concrete center block homes that the, 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 the foundation or the cornerstones were set. And, and once the cornerstones got set, then the kids went to town. And we were able to, to rise up and make like a 10-foot home. We had kids on ladders swinging up cinder blocks and laying down uh, concrete just to put them on everything. All of that was great because the foundation was set. Because we knew that the cornerstones were, were true and, and were, were established. So it didn't matter what a youth would do, even if, if we noticed that the, the walls were not being set correctly, we could take those center blocks back down and, and, and redo it, and it would be fine. But you couldn't do that with the cornerstone. If the cornerstone is faulty or if the cornerstone isn't laid correctly, then it will fail. It will not be able to do what it was intended to do. So, so what does Christ being the cornerstone, what does that mean for us right here and right now? 
It means that we know as a church, as followers of Jesus Christ, that, that Christ is our foundation. That, that anything and everything that we build upon Jesus Christ, it will survive. It, it, it will stand. Now, there may be times just like with the little kids doing the extra work of the center blocks on the roof of the house that, that you may have to take it down a little bit and, and put it back up again. But that's okay because we know that our foundation or our cornerstone is secure. You know, 2020, I, I think we, we talked about uh, these three kind of interlocking, not interlocking circles, but circles that kind of built upon each other. And at that very center of these circles is the doctrines of the church. This is what we believe. This is what we hold on to. And, and these doctrines are, are the same doctrines that other churches within our community and in our world stand and hold true to. And that, that we have the triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that, that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He, he died. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. These are the things that we profess when we talk about the creeds of our church. These are, are the foundational statements that we hold on to as the church. And then in the second circle around that is what we call dogma. And that's just like how we do church. We, we've had kind of a, a break in our dogma of the church, if you will, at, over the past couple of weeks because we normally do church in the sanctuary. But we had to adjust and be here. And you know what? It's fine. Because we are having church. We are proclaiming Jesus Christ. That is the main and most important thing that we do right here. And then there are opinions. These are the things about uh, you know, what kind of chairs we sit in. Are we sitting on a recliner today or are we sitting on a regular chair? Uh, we're replacing the pews in our sanctuary. You know, does that really have a bearing on who we are as a church? No. Because it's just an opinion. It'll make things a whole lot more comfortable in the sanctuary, that's for sure. But, but, but it's just an opinion. How, how we do communion, do we do the little cups for communion, do we do intinction? All of those type of things are just opinions that, that help us build to what is important and what is the center. I think it's interesting to me, and, and, and if I were had my PowerPoint or ProPresenter slides, I would have a slide with this, but a picture of a whole bunch of different denominational symbols. And if you can think about it in your head right now, what is the one thing that a lot of denominational symbols have in common? They all have a cross in them. Why is that? Because that is the cornerstone. That is the foundation that we hold on to. That is who we are. See, when Paul was writing this letter to the Ephesians, there, there is a problem happening in Ephesus. Ephesus, if you remember or if you understand, was the place where the big temple of Artemis was constructed. Artemis was one of those Greek gods that, that, that ruled over that area. And everybody poured into this temple. You, you gave money to that temple. You, you did anything and everything to help build up the temple of Artemis. 
because Artemis was important to that culture. Let's see, Paul is talking to the Ephesians. He's saying, you know what? There is someone a whole lot bigger than, than Artemis. There, there is somebody, somebody that has a lot more power than this God, Artemis. And that person is Jesus Christ. You see, while everybody is, is doing anything and everything to pour into the temple of Artemis and, and, and to build Artemis up, guess what Jesus is doing? Jesus is not waiting on you to, to build him up. Jesus is in all the while building you up. Raising a holy temple. And as he says in our last part of our scripture, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. See, that's what Paul is reminding us. See, Sometimes we think about a, a cornerstone is, is something that we build so that we can go and dwell into a specific place. But, but when we as a church have Christ as our cornerstone, God is now building his life inside of us. Giving us a firm foundation. Giving us a, a place that we can stand to know that God will continue to build us up as God's holy and loved persons. See, the idea of a cornerstone just isn't a New Testament thing. This past week, I, during my morning devotions, I, I spend time reading a passage from, from the lectionary, from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, and this week, my Old Testament lesson really spoke into what we're talking about this morning. This is from Isaiah chapter 28, I think verse 16, where Isaiah writes, this is what the sovereign Lord says. So, so God is speaking to Isaiah. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. That's beautiful. See, see, we know because we're able to look back on what this scripture is saying, who the cornerstone is. The cornerstone that Isaiah is talking about, that, that God is talking to Isaiah about, is Jesus who came to Zion, which is Jerusalem, who, who, who lifted himself up on a cross to die for each and every one of us so that we may be covered by his love and his grace. You know, I think the problem that we have is that sometimes we don't have the good view of who Jesus is. We, we may not think too highly about Jesus Christ in our lives. On my way to church this morning, I was listening to uh, Love Song for a Savior by, by Jars of Clay. And then I saw there's a line that says, We call Jesus Savior, but we don't know him well enough to call him God. We like to have the idea that, that Jesus saves us. But I think sometimes we don't fully want to give our lives fully to God because we want to make sure 
that we have control over our lives. And I think a part of that has to do is that we don't see Jesus as a dif difference maker. We, we have a tendency to see Jesus as this, this outside influence, maybe, that we may pray to or we may think about here or there. But do we really think that Jesus can make a difference in the world that we live in right now? I'm a big reader of a theologian by the name of Dallas Willard, and he wrote a very uh, important book called The Divine Conspiracy. And in this book, he, he gives us a picture of example of how we should look at Jesus Christ. He writes, at the literal, at the literal mundane level, Jesus knows how to transform the molecular structure of water to make it wine. That knowledge also allowed him to take a few pieces of bread and some little fish and feed thousands of people. He knew how to transform the tissues of the human body from sickness to health and from death to life. Saying Jesus is Lord can mean little in practice for anyone who has to hesitate in saying Jesus is smart. He is not just nice, he is brilliant. He is the smartest man who has ever lived. And he is now supervising the entire course of human history while simultaneously preparing the rest of the universe for our future role in it. He always has the best information on everything and certainly on the things that matters most in human life. When we have Christ as our foundation, then we understand what love, unity, and acceptance is. See, see when we fully understand that, that, that Jesus is, is, is smarter than the most smartest person we may think of in the world right now, that, that Jesus holds the keys to, to everything in our lives, and we start acting and living in our lives in that way, and nothing will be able to stop us. Nothing will be able to stand in our way. Not that we're going to be powerful, that we're going to lord over everything, because that's not what Jesus did. Jesus came to serve. But he did so in such a way that drew people to him. He did so in such a way that let people see his love and his grace and his mercy. That's the cornerstone that I want to have in my life. I, I, I don't want a false cornerstone that, 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 that might crumble and fall, but I want something that will remind us, as Isaiah would say later, of justice and of righteousness. To have that built upon what our cornerstone is so that we can do the work that we hear in Matthew 6, verse 33. To seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And then everything else will fall in place. Because our minds and our hearts are set on Jesus. And as I said, more words of Dallas Willard, but I actually put them in the same color as his. That, that with Christ as our foundation then we can truly see what love is. 
Because First John reminds us that God is love. We know what unity is because Scripture reminds us that we are one in body and one in spirit. We have one Lord and one baptism. And then we can truly accept others as Christ has accepted us. Let us pray. Oh God, as we continue in this journey together, help us to remember that, that you are our foundation. It is through the work of Jesus Christ that we see who you really are. It's easy sometimes, God, to, to try to build our own foundations, to try to make sure that we have what we want and what we need. But God, if we fail to address or, or respond to the smartest person in the world, Jesus Christ, how can we fully know? If we fail to respond to the one who healed, who taught, who, who gave his life as a ransom for many, how can we then turn around and give our lives for others? God, help us to live with you as our cornerstone. Help us to live fully grounded and rooted in you so that you may be proclaimed in all we say and do. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.